Phil Hayes Show. The Phil Hayes Show is brought to you by The Athletic and The Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. And from The Athletic, he's back. It's Phil Hay. Hello. And from The Square Ball, Michael Normanson. I never went away. For a limited time, you can read and get The Athletic for just £1 a week. To read everything that fills up to at the minute, head to theathletic.com forward slash leads pod to sign up. What have you got for us this week, Phil, then? Uh, we will have a uh, follow-up from Leicester, uh, the game tonight, obviously. Um, at some stage, we're going to be looking into that um, infamous game against Derby uh, back in the Chilino rain when he tried to shut Sky Sports out of um, Ellen Road. Uh, TV coverage quite topical at the moment um, and some other bits and pieces to look forward to as well. To get your teeth into that, head to theathletic.com forward slash leadspod. Get signed up for just a pound a week. Well, we are back slightly later than advertised, not in our normal Friday morning slot. That's because Phil had a birthday and had the cheek to, to go away. So first of all, on the record, a belated happy birthday, Phil. How was it? Thank you very much. It was great. Yeah, I'm sorry to everybody for disappearing, um, but it was my 40th last Monday, so we escaped to Creef for a couple of nights. Um, I have to say, I don't feel as old being 40 as I did when I turned about 35 and realised that I was older than any player in the squad that leads, which is obviously not going to change now. But um, but yeah, a lot of birthday wishes from people on Twitter, so thank you very much. I don't think anyone's going to believe you 40, Phil. And you can interpret that how you want. No, well, there's a famous story about a supporters club who shortly, um, at one of the, the supporters groups at Leeds, who shortly after I took the job at the Evening Post, um, did a, a sweepstake on the bus for how old they thought I was, and it ranged from about 30 to 65. Um, and I have to say, I've felt 40 for about the past 15 years. So, yeah, it's been easy to take this week. It's the stress of covering Leeds, but thankfully it's all all right now. Uh, we are recording now for the first time since the Villa win. I mean, I know it feels like it was an age ago that that happened. Uh, but probably worth reflecting on that and how good Leeds United were on the evening itself. This, the timing and the scheduling of the season's really odd and, and really strange and difficult for us to get used to because by this stage last season, Leeds had played, I think, about 17, 18 times between League and Cup games. Um, this is game number seven tonight and you, you're sort of bouncing from you know international break, which in the end was about 16 days long because of the, the delay of the Wolves game to the, the Monday for Sky and then three days later you've got Villa but then there's the long delay to, to this game against Leicester and then after Palace on Saturday you've got another international break and, and I think because of how fit Leeds are and because of the, the condition that Bielsa has had them in for the best part of two years I don't mean the football will feel, feel easy but I, I suspect that physically the, the bodies are not taking anything like the same sort of hammering and, and dealing with the same kind of demand and pressure that they were previously under him I mean the there were several things that stood out down at Villa um, in what I felt was probably one of the best performances we've seen under Bielsa. And I mean, that's up against some pretty strong competition. But I just thought it was it was massively competent right the way through the 90 minutes. And in the periods where it was impressive, it, it really was outstanding. And, you know, it, it goes back again to, to that old trait and, and that old um, mantra of his, which is that all the players in his squad should be able to do a job as and when he needs them to do it. And and it meant that at Villa Park, you had um, Stuart Dallas at right-back, you had Luke Ayling um, as the right-sided centre-back, you had Robin Cock as the left-sided centre-back, you had Ali Oski in for, for quite a rare start. At left-back, you had Strike um, in defensive midfield, but only for 21 minutes because he was booked and, and Bielsa didn't want to take the risk of a, a red card. So in the end, you finish up with Cleek um, as number four and, and Jamie Shackleton, you know, again, a, a quite a rare appearance for him. Um, as, as more of an advanced midfielder and, and the team looks not quite unrecognisable but a 
long way away from what you used to see when when Leeds are at full strength and Bielsa has the pick of, of his entire dressing room. And yet somehow they play like that and, and they play in a way that, that stands them out as looking as, you know, virtually as good as any other team in the Premier League that you're, you're looking at. I'm not suggesting that they'll have the legs to run with, with Liverpool and, and Manchester City necessarily through the course of the season. But, you know, the, the second half in particular got to the point where at 2-0, Villa just seemed to disappear completely. You know, I was watching Ollie Watkins um, for a, a while in that second half and it was like a, a £28 million shadow at, at one end of the pitch. He, he wasn't seeing anything of the ball. All the football was being played at, at Villa's end of the pitch and, and around their box. And it was so dominant that I think it, it was quite telling that at the end, Dean Smith said, you know, they got away got away with a 3-0 defeat there, did Villa. You know, that was 3-0 going on 4-5-6, I felt. And the most, you know, the most striking moment by far, and people picked up on this on, on Twitter afterwards, was the 95th minute when Leeds produced this 7-on-4 on the end of edge of Villa's box um, at the end of a counter-attack. And, and Bielsa had been on at them right the way through injury time, barking away from the touchline, not letting them drop off. And it, it just was utterly overwhelming. Um, and I think it, it was a... It was a shock to the system for Villa because they had a perfect record before that Friday, but it was it was absolutely annihilated. Open question for you both, because I can't quite get to an answer on this one. I'm not quite sure why it is. I've got some ideas, but I'd like to hear what yours are first. Why do you think that this Leeds team has taken to the Premier League like a duck to water? And I also caveat that by saying, you know, we could be handed our backsides on a plate tonight against Leicester. So, you know, this could made me look a bit stupid, but it, it does, you know, on the balance of things, we seem to have really adapted well. And maybe, I don't know, something about the style of play, the level of fitness, whatever it is, what's that thing that means Leeds have just sort of just, just gone at this with the freedom that they have? You know, even if they do get it handed to them um, by Leicester this evening, the, the squad have adapted well. And, and there's no question that they've, they've made a, a really, really good start. I, I think there are a few factors um, in this and, and one is definitely fitness and, and, you know, the, the ability of Leeds to play in the way they do for 95 minutes. You know, Jurgen Klopp made that point on the first weekend of the season that, you know, that, that Leeds were still coming at them right deep into injury time. And I think Manchester City found that as well, that that suspicion they or, or that hope they must have had in the second half that Leeds were, were going to drop off, that they couldn't maintain that intensity. And, and actually they did because generally under Bielsa, um, they always do. And it, it took that substitution introduction of Fernandinho to properly shore up City's midfield because De Bruyne and Foden had, had you know been been taken out of the game by Phillips and Cleek. I mean the, the fact is that that under Bielsa um and you know increasingly so and, and more and more last season they, they were essentially playing Premier League tactics. They were when they were attacking they had a front line of, of four, five, six, which is what you tend to see with your, your bet, better Premier League sides. Um, the the football was possession based. It was very attacking. It it was aggressive. And you know, I I spoke to another journalist at the back end of last season um, who, who covers a lot of Premier League football and has done for years. And and he said to me, you know, if you go into the Premier League and attack, and if you've got you know a, a pretty stable and an organised defence, which Leeds definitely do under Bielsa, then you will win games and you will pick up points and and you will do fine. You know, you you will be in a comfortable position. And and that's what I think we're seeing at the moment. And it, it it's definitely the case that because of the because of the tactical approach from Bielsa, the fact that he hasn't he, he you know he never changes anything. The fact that he was never going to change anything this summer hasn't mattered because as it was, Leeds were very much tailor made for this division. And you know, it, I think that the biggest question for me was whether or not the players would be able to transition. Whether you, you players like 
Dallas, like Cooper, you know, Clake, players who hadn't played in the Premier League before were going to find that they were up to the level or were going to find that, that they were a little bit out of their depth. And because it turns out and it, and it seems that they're all able to cope, um, it, they're just playing as, as Leeds have played for two years. And, and it's not a surprise on that basis that they're doing so well. I always thought we'd come into the, the season playing exactly the same way. I think I had some concerns. You mentioned the defence there about that because Ben White's been out. And then if you had said to me that we were also going to lose Liam Cooper for most of it so far, and then we were going to have to make changes at fullback as well, I would have probably expected us to struggle more. But as you said, Villa didn't really lay a glove on us. There was the Grealish chance where he ran the length of the pitch, but and the late, a very late injury time Watkins chance. But that it was pretty much one way traffic in that game. And I think that's, that's the way that we set up in the championship. And I mean, if anyone expected us to change that in the Premier League, they, they probably were quite naive because that's just not Bielsa's way. But I don't see a lot in this league, again, with the obvious caveat of, of getting beaten 8-0 tonight. I don't see anyone in this league to particularly scare me. I think Man City and Liverpool probably still look like the best two teams in there. And we've played them. And I, I thought we could have potentially won both of those games on, on a different day. So... Um, I, I don't I certainly don't see anything in the bottom half that is there to worry us at all. You, you touched on someone else there, and, and I mentioned it also, which is the, the versatility of the, the footballers that Bielsa has in his squad. And, and one of the reasons that they are versatile, and, and you know, he looks for players who, who have that in them when when they sign, but it's because he coaches them to be that way. So if, if Stroik needs to play defensive midfield, he, he knows what he's doing. If, if Shackleton, who's, who's had so few minutes over the past 12 months or so, needs to come on and, and play against Villa in that attacking role, then then he can and it's not a problem. And, and Cleek equally can drop deep and, and improvise um, as a number four rather than a... And number eight, and I, th- I think you find with other clubs that there are players they can't cope without, and and you sometimes find with managers that that they, you know, they, they stress at the point at which they lose key players, and I understand why, and and there's no doubt at all that some footballers are, are better than others, but I don't think Bielsa sees it in those terms. I don't think he he thinks to himself that that he has a first choice eleven, and that as that eleven starts to deteriorate or his players start to drop out if they're injured or suspended that his team is suddenly weakened. I don't think he thinks of it as a, a weakened lineup. He just thinks of it as a different lineup. And and you know, the, it it is the, the reality with him that if you're in the squad you he, he considers you to be good enough and he considers you to be up to it. And if you aren't then you'll be off and and, and you won't be involved. And I think that's another aspect. His his you know his sort of the dedication to, to coaching players to be as adaptable as they can be is is another big string to, to the bullet leads. Is the player we can't cope without potentially click, but we've just not had to do it yet? Great question. I suspect so. Um, although I do look at Shackleton and I see in Shackleton quite a lot of the, the attributes that, that I see in Clake. I, I think it's just the fact that Shackleton isn't proven in the same way and, and Clake now has this long, long run of games where consistently he's, he's looked He's looked excellent and consistently he's looked far above the value of the, the 1.5 million that, that Leeds paid for him. I mean, I, I always think of Phillips as the player that really has no, you know, no like for like cover. Um, the player that, that Leeds need to, need to kind of improvise with slightly when, when he's out. I mean, Bielsa said that himself two years ago. He, he, I remember speaking to him about this and him saying, you know, it's best for us if, if Phillips just plays every game and, and he wasn't, exactly joking and, and at no point have Leeds ever tried to to go for another 
out-and-out defensive mid, you know, another number four. They've got Adam Forshaw, but I don't really look at Forshaw as a, a kind of direct comparison to, to Phillips. It's similar in some ways, but Phillips is, is such a specialist. And um, But in terms of click, I, I think you're right. I think that is the that is another area that you don't particularly want to contemplate, the idea of him being out for any length of time. And, and I'm not going to jinx him by saying he, he never looks like dropping out of the team, but it is a, a huge bonus that his body seems to hold up to whatever it is that Bielsa asks of him. As an extension of the question about what's different in the Premier League, let's focus on Bamford if we could for a minute. Because Patrick Bamford's taken a real step up, proving his doubters wrong. I mean, I did have doubts whether he'd met the step up, uh, whether he might find himself lacking a little bit. But as it transpires, the Premier League seems to suit his game more than the Championship did. Do you think that's down to slightly less physicality in this league? Perhaps a sharper eye from the officials and VAR, stuff like that? Possibly. I think that the amount of space that Leeds have to play in, in comparison to how it was in the Championship, where if you, unless you were good enough to to fight fire with fire um, against Leeds, and you know Norwich stand out as the team who did that in the season that, that they went went up as champions when when they came to Ellen Road. You know they they took Leeds on and and they won that game and and they deserved to. But in the main, if if you if you were sensible, the way to play against Leeds was to sit deep to trust that your defence could hold for long enough for a, a good chance to come up and, and you pinch a goal at the other end. And, and that happened from time to time. And, and it tended to be the case that when Leeds lost and on the few occasions under Bielsa in the Championship when they were beaten, that, that that was how the game went. I think because because more Premier League teams are inclined to attack and, and to leave space in behind, it, it benefits a player like Bamford, it benefits players like Harrison and, and Helder Costa as well. And and I just think with, with Bamford, he is a fundamentally good player. And, and when you speak to, to coaches who work with him in the past, they, they do say that he is a natural finisher. They're not denying that he misses chances and they can see for themselves the, the XG stats and, and all that. But he is a very good goal scorer. And, and it, it, I don't know whether it's confidence or whether it's just a case of him, him needing to get on a bit of a roll because in the past he has tended to score goals in bunches. You know, they, they have come in, in space for him. Um, but... There just seems to be that that real confidence in him, which I think is in no small part down to the the support and the backing he's had from Bielsa. I, I mean, we you know over the past two years debated constantly Bamford's form, his finishing, and everything else, and and at times his his position in the team. But if you consider Bielsa to be one of the best coaches in the world, and I think a, a lot of us do, then his support and his faith in Bamford tells its its own story and you know he, he never had the same confidence in Augustine it seemed to me he never had the same confidence in Inketia, even though he, he rated Inketia and, and was happy to play him from time to time it, it was you know it, it was like asking Bielsa to crawl over broken glass before he would actually take Bamford out of the team and I think that's because Bamford was so integral to the way Leeds played he was so important even away from goal scoring his style and, and the way in which he, he fitted in as you know from time to time quite an isolated number nine was really, really important. And I mean, I, I, in my piece after the Villa game, I was talking about how when Bamford went to Crystal Palace, they didn't even realise that he was left-footed. Um, some of the coaching staff there were, were under the impression that that he was right-footed um, and, and that that was his, his natural side. And I think there's been a bit of that with Bamford in the Premier League, a bit of indifference shown towards him, a bit of ambivalence about what he is and, and what he can do. And I think since Aitor Karanka at Middlesbrough, Bielsa is the first manager, the first coach who's really tried to understand him and, and really tried to to see what his strengths are, to appreciate his strengths and, and to make the most of, 
of them. And then, you know, I, I spoke to Bamford's dad before the game at Liverpool, um, just about, you know, the, the prospect of him going back into the Premier League. And, and he did say, you know, I think the fact that for the first time he's going to this level with a coach who really believes in him and, and really trusts him is going to make a difference. And, and it feels to me that it has. This point probably circles us back to where we started actually talking about the Villa performance and the fact that anybody can step into anybody else's position. With regards to Bamford, doesn't it feel like he, as a representation of all of them, he's getting better, the system's getting better. We're seeing Bielsa refine his method at Leeds and it, it seems to be improving over time. Well, there was a point in the second half where I, I think it was Robin Koch played a 20-30 yard ball, crossfield ball, um, in front of his own box over to Dallas and, and Dallas took the ball down with his chest and uh, easy as you like and, and, and swept forward, started another attack. And I it, it, it kind of occurred to me that the, the technical improvement of the players has, has been so vast and, and so continuous as well. I mean, it, when you watch them, they, they do just seem to, to get better and better. And I think it's kind of blown out of the water, the idea that players necessarily have limits. I mean, the, the, there is going to be only so far that, that certain players can go and, and that's a fact of life and, and a fact of, of football. But, you know, the, the improvement that we saw instantly under Bielsa when he came into the Championship, we're kind of seeing again um, in the Premier League. And, and I just, you know, I, I think that the amount of work that's been done, the amount of repetition, the way they train and, and the, the consistent approach to one style and, and you know, one method of playing, I think has, has helped to, to such a huge extent. And I do think that across the board, you, you're talking about, you know, it, it's hard to think of a player who's gone backwards under Bielsa, certainly of this crop. I couldn't think of one who doesn't look better now than they did two years ago or, or certainly before he came in. Um, and, and you're right, that, that applies to Bamford as well. And I think it's because there is consistency and there isn't chopping and changing. And it isn't the case that every time they come under pressure or every time it, you know, it doesn't work for Bielsa, he goes running to the transfer market or he moans about the depth of his squad or he, he piles it on his players. It, it's always just a case of reset, you know, train again, sort of re-engage with the plan and, and the system and, and look for it to work next time. And, and more often than not it does and you know we, we, we've spoken loads on this podcast about the fact that, that with Bielsa it is all about the coaching you know recruitment matters and, and Leeds do recruit and let's not pretend they, they haven't invested a lot of money in this transfer window but that's not what it comes down to I don't feel I think it is a it is about that devotion to, to taking players and trying to make them better and I think it, you know en masse these players at Leeds have, have reacted really well to that I think what we've seen in the transfer market now is that Bielsa's being given the budget to, to go out and get much better raw materials as well. I think some of the best players we've seen under him have been people like Dallas and, I mean, Ailing I think, was, was pretty good anyway, but I don't think at the start of Bielsa's reign anyone saw Dallas as being a key player for us. And I think it was probably only towards the end of his first season that we that he truly stepped into the team as a key player and, and want someone that people would look for inside. Whereas when you sign in German and Spanish internationals, I guess you, you're looking at them to adapt in a far quicker way because they're just because they've they've maybe got some of that innate ability there and it doesn't need quite so much coaching in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like Rodrigo is is starting to look better and better. I thought he had a very good game at Villa Park, and the only reason that the there wasn't more focus 
on him was because the the number nine in front of him scored a hat trick and you know his, his finishing was was immense. Um, but Rodrigo's link up play when he's been at his best so far has been very difficult for opposition teams to read and and very difficult to manage. And you know it, it was an interesting comparison to look at the way in which you know he helped to to tear up the second half when players like Grealish and and Ross Barkley, who you thought would be a big threat, particularly against the you know, an understrength defence disappeared and, and went out of the game. And, you know, Villa beaten again yesterday, four goals conceded against Southampton. I, I, you almost felt like a little wobble was going to come after the Leeds game because they were they were so poor in the final half hour and, and they they seemed to have so little backbone in, in that in that part of the game that it, it felt like a worry for them. You know, suddenly you went from this team who had 12 points from four games to a team who'd, who'd been, you know, properly obliterated on, on their own pitch um, and and had questions to answer. Whereas with Leeds, it's just ticking over quietly. And, and it, it kind of makes me laugh, really, because th- there seems to be a lot of angst in the Premier League. There seems to be a lot of gnashing of teeth. There are a lot of clubs who would consider themselves to be, you know, contenders for the title or for the top four or, or for, for whatever else who are kind of struggling to get going. And then in the midst of it, you've got Leeds who, who seem to be really enjoying this and, and, and seem to be... You know, it seemed to be in fine fettle, seemed to be to be finding it fun, um, which in the circumstances is is quite an achievement. And and you know, as as we've said repeatedly in this party, it could well be that Leicester turn them over tonight, and and Leicester are, are definitely good enough to do that. But I don't think it matters. You know, I don't think that detracts from what's gone on so far, which has been a, a really really encouraging start. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Down to brass tacks then. Phil and football tonight and as we've just said a couple of times in the in the first half of this show that's having now built them up this has got the potential to come back and bite us spectacularly as we play Leicester tonight but I don't think anybody could deny it's been a really good start to the season and even if there is a defeat to come tonight we shouldn't be overly worried because there's plenty in this team and they've got plenty to offer and do we have anything to fear from the recent champions? A bit yeah I mean Vardy up front, obviously, and, and that is where they so often do damage. They're really, really good at, at, at getting him in behind defences and, and his finishing is exemplary. I mean, I think over the past 10, 10 years, five years, certainly, you, you'd put him down as one of the best strikers that the Premier League's had in, in that period um, and, and he still continues to be a ridiculously good transfer um, when when Leicester first signed him. Um, so, you know, that is where the threat comes from, but they are very accomplished. They're also pretty adaptable too. You know, Rodgers can play three at the back, he can play four at the back, he can play with a, a holding midfielder, he can shuffle it up to, um, you know, to, to be more attacking um, and, and they can do a lot of damage and I would expect them to be a top half side this season I think they'll certainly finish in the top 10 um, but I think with Leeds it, it'll be the same approach to every game I think they'll try to go at Leicester in the same way um, that they, they went at Wolves and, and the same way that they attacked Villa and, and given the way it's gone over the first six games there's no reason not to you know it's that that strategy has worked it's, it's borne fruit um, and you know you, we all know that 
Leeds are not trying to play defensively. Bielsa doesn't have them in that mindset. They don't. They don't. They, they obviously work on the defensive shape and everything else, but they they would never ever set out in training to practice a system whereby they they sit deep and and try to counter attack in in the way that Wolves did at Ellen Road. So I think we'll be looking at another very very open game, um, very very competitive game, and and you know a, a bit like Wolves, a game which to me is extremely difficult to call and, and could go any way. Where can they hurt us then? Apart from Vardy, because he tends to steal all the headlines, because he's quick, very quick for a uh, for a thirty three year old. But um, what what else do they have to offer? Well, they can do, they can be dominant in midfield, and, and they will try to be with with Thielmans and and Mendy and others. They also have you know good bit of pace and, and skill with Madison um, and enough creativity to to bring them goals elsewhere. But it it is Vardy really where the the main threat comes from, and and it's it's very difficult to keep him quiet because of his pace. Um, Leeds will obviously play a high defensive line because they always do, and and that is the sort of backline that Vardy likes to to play against. So I think again, if if there's a good performance from the centre backs against him, and if if Leeds are, are diligent um, in in monitoring him, you know, with, with the back four, but also the player in front of the back four, which I assume will be will be strike again, and um, with with Phillips still out, I, I think Leeds have, have got a very good chance. But it is that thing of, of keeping your eyes peeled, and and particularly on somebody like Madison, who who in his own way can be a threat as much as Vardy when the mood takes him. And how can we hurt them? What's our big forte? Having just spent, you know, 15 or 20 minutes talking about it and how do we get at this team? Well, Leeds, I mean, the, the strategy for Leeds is always to to play out wide and, you know, that worked for them um, against Villa and it worked in part because Villa were far more willing to commit players up the pitch um, than Wolves had been. I mean, Leeds had, against Wolves had endless number of, of crossing positions um, which, which came to nothing. Um, but part of the reason that they came to nothing was because they were constantly heavily marked out wide, um, partly because the, the accuracy of the deliveries was was not great. And, you know, there were I, when I watched back through that game, there were a lot of situations where Bamford had taken up good positions inside the box only to, to watch the ball fly past him or, or fly over him. But it was all, it was able to be a bit slicker and a bit more fluent against Villa because there was the space to, to get into. And you saw that with the, the first goal, Bamford's first goal, the, the attack from Leeds' own half and, you know, um, Rodrigo feeding it down the left and Harrison back into Rodrigo. It, it You know, Villa were properly blitzed down that side and, and didn't have the numbers or the bodies to, to get back. So I think it will certainly suit Leeds tonight if Leicester, Leicester play in a similar way to Villa and, and, and throw men forward and, and try to attack because that is that is when the space opens up and that's when Leeds are by far at, at the most dangerous. I think if Leicester do drop deep, if they do try and sit in, if they do try to make it congested, then then the key tonight will be far more precision from wide areas because Leeds always work those areas well. They always get themselves into positions to cross. But the problem against Wolves was that, that from those areas, there was nothing coming or no, no good ball coming. And, and that is something they would have to improve. It's been a weirdly open Premier League so far this season. I'm just looking at Leicester's record and they've, Played six, won four, but also lost two as well. So they can be got at. Seems to be nothing in the middle with them. So we should probably expect a draw then, yeah? Yeah, well, it's it, it's like that right the way through the league. I mean, I think it's slightly ominous that Liverpool have, have gone top because I, I still think they'll take the title this season and I still think they're the most complete side, um, even including um, Manchester City. But Everton have obviously gone from this, you know, a flying start to a couple of defeats and suddenly questions about what's going on there. Um, it, other teams have, have been up and down, a bit mixed. You had Villa who were looking strong to start with, but again, back-to-back defeats and, and not looking so clever all of a sudden. And and it, you know, there, um, our stats guy, Tom Warville, was writing about this and, and he did a piece over the weekend which was basically asking the question, 
who in this league is any good? You know, who's actually any good? Which teams are decent? Which teams are poor? Because it's it's so mixed up and, and there's so little shape to the division so far that it's quite hard to tell. But he was very much of the of the view that going through the stats and looking at the performances and, and everything else, that Leeds are one of the teams who've looked good so far. You know, they've, they've looked as good as the results and, and, and they deserve to be where they are in, in the division. And, and he was talking more about, you know, being round about fifth or sixth than down in 12th where they are before kick-off tonight. But um, yeah, it's it's wide open. And, you know, I, I was reading quotes from Brendan Rodgers um, over the weekend where he was saying that when his Swansea team came up and, and you know, anyone who's followed Leeds will, will remember how good they were back in 2011, 2012. Um, when they came up, he felt that, that a lot of Premier League sides underestimated them and, and won't convinced that they were going to be able, be able to compete in the way that, that they did and I don't think it's necessarily the case that teams are underestimating Leeds but I think there'll be a, an element of surprise about how strong they've been so far Because we can go third tonight if we win get the right result under our belt I mean that'd be alright I'd accept Champions League for a, for a first season back Yeah I thought you might Yeah um, I mean it's funny because the same has been said about Southampton you know they're, they're right in the mix and um and it, you know, the the likelihood is that the league will settle down in in the way that it normally does, and your your stronger teams, your cities and Liverpool's and Spurs and, and and everything else, will be in there. And and Chelsea, you know, despite everything, considering what they've spent and who they've signed, they should be in in the mix as well. But you know, if you go through the top half of the table, you've got Leeds in there, you've got Villa in there, you've got Southampton very nicely placed. That you've got a lot of familiar faces as well. But even Newcastle up to eleventh after beating Everton it, it doesn't feel yet and I suppose it wouldn't have done because you know it, it's quite deceptive this year it's November so you feel as if you're a long way into the, the campaign already but you know Leeds have only played six times and there's there's an awful lot of football to to go but it doesn't feel yet like you, you've got a clear idea of who's going to be where and, and what's going to be what's going to happen and, and I still feel like that about Leeds and Bielsa was trying to make that point in his press conference himself on, on Friday just saying it's it is a little bit too early to draw conclusions although you know the caveat being that with Bielsa, he, he, he would say that even with one game to go because he doesn't like to, um, to be presumptuous about very much. But, um, it, it, you know, it, it is early and 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 there isn't enough football on, on the board yet to, to be 100% sure about how Leeds are going to cope. But I, I think the evidence of the first six games is, is extremely promising. Um, and, I, and I don't think it's just us who feel that. I think across the league, everybody thinks that, that this is a very good side who've come into the division. It certainly doesn't feel like we've... Our points have been undeserved at any in any game this season. I don't think. I think if looking back, you'd say we probably could have got something from the Wolves game, could have got something from Liverpool. Whereas when you look at the table, I see Newcastle above us, and I've I mean I've not seen all of their games, but the bits I've seen, they've basically been terrible, and there they are on eleven points somehow in in eleventh place. Like I, I can see them dropping down further, and likewise when I've seen the bits I've seen of Palace, who are a place below us, they've also looked well. They've looked very Palacey. They've looked very defensive and quite poor to watch and then have, have kind of managed to smash and grab a few results but I feel like we're, we're probably if anything slightly slightly underperforming points wise Yeah I mean Callum Wilson was the signing for Newcastle and I think he'll probably be the difference for them um, between you know, potentially going down and, and probably having a, a more steady stable season um, he's a really good player a really good striker and he'll, he'll come up with a lot of goals I, I, I don't feel that at any stage Leeds have been lucky um, with the results they've had periods where 
things have been questionable, you know, particularly the, the the back end of the game against Fulham. And, you know, there were there were big moments down at Bramall Lane, like both Bielsa and, and Chris Wilder said, particularly that save from, from Millier in, in the first half, which, which was absolutely crucial. But even so, at, at the end of that game, I still felt that Leeds had come on strong in the second half and, and had deserved to, to nick that late goal through Bamford. And likewise, you know, there's no question about the result down at Villa um, against City. I thought a point was... The least Leeds deserved, although you know City, to to their credit, um, probably did enough to take something from from that game as well. But that is probably the the encouraging aspect of this is that you don't feel as if the the results are outperforming the performances at the moment. If anything, like you say, Leeds are probably slightly further back than they should be, given that they were in you know prime position to take a point um, at Anfield, and you know with with, with more more precision and, and more cutting edge up front should have got something from the game against Wolves as well um, so all in all very little to complain about It feels like we've still not seen much of some of the best, the new players either I think Rafinha's probably got quite a bit to offer off the bench and then hopefully working his way into the team we've still not seen anything of the Rense yet um, we've not I mean we've not seen Liam Cooper yet either to any meaningful degree so I, th- I think there's still more to come from us I've liked Rafinha as, as well you know the little we've seen of him Um good bit of pace against Wolves and there was a, a lovely, lovely crossfield ball from him um, against Villa which which almost led to um, to a fourth goal. He, he he seems to have a huge amount about him. I, I think that the problem for him is going to be that you know Harrison is, is so embedded in this team and, and another player that, that Bielsa has massive faith in and, and plays constantly and you know Bielsa sort of talked about trying to mould Rafinha to, to be good enough to play as a 10 as well but for as long as Rodrigo is, is performing like this it's hard to see anybody else getting into the team ahead of him so you, you I mean this, this is a, it's a good good scenario really that you've got a, a £17 million winger who's on the bench and at the moment probably struggling to to make a serious effort to, to get into the first team because of who's who's in front of him but I have a feeling that at some stage of the season he's going to be a big player The thing that encourages me is looking at the bottom quarter of this table and whilst the division hasn't quite taken shape yet you see all the clubs down there who you'd expect to in that bottom quarter you know like Burnley Fulham Sheffield United Brighton West Brom Manchester United all the strugglers the perennial strugglers but I mean but seriously though I mean you look at the bottom three Sheffield United Fulham and Burnley all on one point can't seem to buy a win already we've opened up a nine point gap on those teams no very much so and I think that's a, a topic of discussion that nobody really wants to get into too much because already I think everybody is trying to move beyond the thought of finishing 17th and just staying up and, and that being enough um, but that you know that's the first port of call um, and you know nine point gap between Leeds and Sheffield United Fulham Burnley is a significant amount given how, how hard it's been for them to pick up points um, already uh, and I think you know that that to me is the one thing that that jumps out from the league is is the fact that, that they've already they've already got a jump start on a lot of the clubs at the bottom who will absolutely be feeling the pressure. I mean, Sheffield United especially have gone from. You know, I think if if you take Burnley as an example, I think everybody has felt the creep coming at Burnley. I think there's been the suspicion that they haven't developed enough, they haven't evolved as a team, that the the investment and the transfers aren't really helping when it comes to, to retaining a place in the Premier League. But Sheffield United have gone from a really, you know, really comfortable position and, and a position where they seemed perfectly able to compete in the Premier League to a position where they, they haven't got a win on the board yet and, and they are definitely struggling. And I suspect that their results have been worse than their performances. I suspect that, that at times they've they've been a, a little unlucky. But, um, you know, to, to be nine points clear 
of that pack at the bottom already, and and also seven clear of West Brom, who equally can't get a win on the board, um, and and you know might might do tonight, but um, are, are, you know struggling to to get any impetus. Um, it's you know that that to me is is the key factor at this stage because it does you know it, it's not a particularly positive, optimistic way to to look at the season, especially when the results have been like like they have for Leeds so far. But it is imperative that they, that one season in the Premier League leads to two, and two leads to three, and three leads to ten, and and that this does become, a, you know, a permanent lodging for them. And and in order for that to happen, they have to improve. They they have to they had to get get better. They had to compete strongly in the division, and and up to now they have. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. It definitely says something about my mindset that even though I'm about as positive as I've been in the last 20 years about Leeds, when Spurs got that relatively late winner against Burnley the other week, there was still a bit of me thought, yeah, I think I'd probably rather it went that way. I, I think I'd still rather the bottom three places were were nicely sewn up. And then if we get to compete for something a bit higher up the table later in the year, I can, I'll can i worry about that nearer the time. Yeah, th- there's going to come a period in the season where it, where, it, where it gets difficult for Leeds. I mean, that that's inevitable. And there'll, there'll come a period where... The energy drops a little bit, or where you know injuries and suspensions actually do start making a difference, or where the goals dry up slightly because they're wildly performing their, their XG at the moment, which is which is good to see because you know we spent two years talking about the fact that it's been such a challenge for them to match it and to you know to be as deadly up front as they they should have been given the the statistics. But um, yeah, I think that up to Christmas and up to the, the halfway point of the year, the, the teams who promoted teams who've successfully embedded themselves in the Premier League before have, have tended to come up and have a very good start and, and to kind of put clear water between themselves and the teams at the bottom of the division um, quite quickly. And and that's what Leeds are doing at the moment. That's what they need to, to keep on doing. And I think if they if they can keep that going, you know, up until the halfway stage, then you, you have that nice scenario in the second half of the season where you can kind of have a go with, with no pressure and, and see where you finish. But but for now, yeah, I think that, that nine-point gap is pretty significant. Slightly shorter show then, this one, as we are a little bit pressed for time. However, we will be back to the normal recording schedule later on this week in the wake of the Leicester game and ahead of Crystal Palace. Before we head off then, gentlemen, uh, quick prediction on how you think it's going to go tonight. And Phil, can you give us a one to watch as well for the Leicester game? Yes, I'm. I'm going to go for a draw. I think we might have a, a one-all draw tonight. Although I think it's it's anybody's game. Um, the one to watch is is absolutely Vardy. I'm 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 really you know really keen to see how Leeds cope with him because he's such a good finisher. He's so quick. He's so dangerous. And and even though you know he, he is technically getting on in in years, he doesn't seem to be losing any any of that ability. And I think if if Leeds can win that particular battle, then they'll they'll have every chance. Two two. I can see there being goals in this, um, but I I think we might struggle against Vardy. I'm not sure we've faced anyone quite like him this season. Um, so yeah, I, I, we'll see. I'm, I'm a three three two win or a two all draw. Well, I was confident going into Villa, and I feel relatively confident going into this one, although with a little bit more trepidation, sort of a la Wolves. So we'll see how we get on. But I'll predict a home win. In the meantime, if you want to catch up with all Phil's writing, have a look at the Athletic, and for a limited time right now. You can get it for just a pound a week if you want to get involved with that. Theathletic.com forward slash leads pod. We'll speak to you later in the week. Bye-bye. The Phil Hay Show. 